Hello, I'm Dan Rowden, and this is episode 6 of Mag Heroes, a show about magazines and the people who make them. This week, I speak to Ryan Esmaker, creative director and co-editor of The Great Discontent, which started in 2011 as an online interview series. Weekly, The Great Discontent talks with some of the best creative minds out there. In spring 2014, Ryan and Tina, the magazine's editor and Ryan's wife, successfully kick-started the print edition of TGD. Issue 1 got great reviews and made it into Magpile's Best New Magazine Award finalists last month. The second issue came out a few weeks ago and the magazine has just announced they are going quarterly. It looks like a great year ahead for the greatest content. This episode is sponsored by Hemlock, a printing company leading the way in their industry. Based in Western Canada, Seattle and the San Francisco Bay Area, Hemlock Printers has been refining their skills and tools since 1968, and today are the people responsible for printing some of the world's premier magazines, including Kinfolk, Gather Journal, Inventory, and The Great Discontent. Operating out of a huge 79,000 square feet space, Hemlock's service is threefold. They will print and bind your magazine quickly and brilliantly, offer subscription management services, and distribution throughout North America and the EU. Since the early 1970s, Hemlock has taken a sustainable approach to its printing, both socially and environmentally. From using special inks to reduce emissions and the company's effect on air, to using FSC papers and recycling all their paper offcuts, Hemlock takes pride in leading the industry in a sustainable way, operating 100% carbon neutral. Ask them about their Zero program. Get a quote now for your magazine printing needs at hemlock.com slash getaquote, or find out more about the company at hemlock.com. A huge thank you to Fritz and his team at Hemlock for sponsoring Mag Heroes. Now, on with the show. Hey Ryan, how's it going? Hey Dan, good. So, I'm interested in uh, hearing your background and how you eventually made it into uh, making a magazine. Um, you started the greatest content. Uh, as an online project as well so um, yeah it'd be great to hear about how you merged or moved from one to the other yeah for sure how far do you want me to go back (laughs) (laughs) at this for a little while Um, I guess like design stuff started quite a few years ago Um, when I was in high school I was all involved with music and and whatnot and uh, I kind of stumbled into design stuff just out of necessity um, and doing stuff for, you know, like the bands that I played in or for my own projects, Um, you know, so I'd make, you know, posters and things like that, Um, none of which I hope ever surface in the future (laughs) because they were terrible. Um, But I kind of started doing that and uh, um, eventually that that turned into doing uh, web design and development. Okay. Um, So you know, just kind of like normal print background and then going more into the web in the early 2000s. And uh, uh, slowly, you know, music started to take a backseat and um, design started to come to the forefront um, over the course of uh, several years. Um, and then uh, when I met Tina, my wife, who is um, uh, the co-editor of The Great Discontent, um, you know, we'd always talked about doing projects together, uh, creative projects together. Um, she was like an artist and, and stuff like that. So we're like, oh man, you know, what, what, what kind of stuff can we do together? And uh, one of the things we always talked about was doing a magazine that 
you know, was revolving around uh, creative things or creativity. And so like even, you know, the seed of that idea was, you know, started several years ago. Um, but we kind of, we put it off for a long time. Uh, we wound up getting married uh, shortly after we met and uh, thought we'd have a little bit more time to work on stuff, but uh, it never quite panned out that way. Uh, we kind of would put it off every single year. And I feel like every time around, around the new year, you know, we, we think about like New Year's resolutions and stuff like that. And we're like, oh, this year, we're, you know, this is going to be the year that we start working on something together. And uh, so after a few years of that, uh, we finally got our butts in gear and uh, decided to start what became The Great Discontent. And uh, we wanted it to be a, a, a print project. Like I've always loved print. But um, at the time, we, were, we weren't living in New York City. We were living in uh, the state of Michigan and uh, kind of disconnected from a lot of, uh, um, a lot of, uh, creative people. So it didn't like, we didn't have a ton of connections, so it didn't really make sense to do anything in print at the time. It made more sense to do it online and slowly build, uh, the community and the readership, um, uh, before, you know, even considering ever branching out into print. Right. But that's something that we wanted to do all along. Um, and then after doing, uh, TGD online for, I was close to three years, uh, that's when we decided to branch out and kind of test the waters uh, with print. And uh, we went the Kickstarter route for the first issue just to kind of see, um, you know, what kind of interest there was with it. And uh, Kickstarter was successful. And, um, yeah, now we're, we're both digital and, and print. Yeah. Um, did you find it difficult starting something online? Um, I mean, you haven't started something from scratch from print, but... I can imagine it being easier to launch like a kind of a, a blog series. Um, would you start something from print, uh, in print from scratch now that you've kind of tasted the waters? Uh, now I would, but I also think it's really important to, to build your audience or, you know, build your community before you branch out into something that, you know, is high risk and kind of like low profit margin. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I mean, like, now that we have an audience with TGD and, um, you know, are acting as like a, a, a bigger publisher with TGD under the brand, like I could see us, you know, starting something from scratch first in print, uh, before doing stuff online. Mm, okay. But it's definitely a lot easier. I mean, it was years ago to do stuff online first. Um, especially since my background was in that, you know, I had several years doing web design and development. So it was like, well, let's just see if this idea has some traction first. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it still took a long time before we're ready to, to be like, okay, let's, you know, let's do print. Um, the Great Discontent has quite a big following online. And you've published, I don't know, is it hundreds of interviews before you went into print? Yeah, I think we're into like 160 plus now or something. Oh, okay. But yeah, we'd, we would do one long form interview pretty much every single week. Yeah, yeah. For like the first three years, so we built up a pretty good, a pretty good archive, and uh, it really helped us get get good at uh, at doing interviews. So it was really kind of like honing our craft for several years, yeah. um, which was which was really great, but also crazy. I wouldn't recommend doing <laughs> one long form interview a week. <laughs> yeah, and this was alongside uh, like a day job as well, right? It was like a side project. Yeah, for, for sure. TGD. Yeah, it's been a side project up until just this past year. Um, so in January, February of last year was when we were like, okay, let's 
look, let's focus solely on the great discontent. And then we also, you know, decided to go out and do print at the same time, which was pretty crazy, but, um, I'm glad that we, that we did that cause it's, it's panned out all right. Yeah. And I think people worldwide are happy you did that. So. <laughs> um, <Awesome. laughs> do you think you would have done the print magazine if you were still doing it like on the side? Uh, no, knowing what I know now, no, I, there's <laughs> no way it would have been feasible. I mean, it's tough enough working on it full time and, you know, it's like me and Tina working on it. And then now we've got our new business partner, Brad Smith working mm-hmm. with us. And I, even with the three of us and, you know, working with contributors and stuff like it's tough enough doing, you know, print and digital with the three of us. And I couldn't imagine like having day jobs and doing all this other stuff on top of it. I mean, like TGD before was like a full-time job. It's just stuff that we did, you know, while we were doing our full-time jobs. You know, we we're also working a whole lot of nights and weekends, and we're still working a lot of nights and weekends. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just the nature of the business. I think. So you're still putting out in- uh, interviews every week on the on the blog as well. On the we've website? still done a little bit online, um, and we've started introducing um, some shorter features, uh, which have been really, really great. Um, doing a lot of like follow-ups with uh, previous interviewees and um, we're going to be introducing some different types of, uh, of shorter features. Um, and those have been really, really, those have been received really well over the past couple of weeks. Um, so we're excited to do some more of that, but yeah, we're still doing our long form features online. Hmm. Um, is it easy for you to like match the old print and your web audiences? Uh, is there like a correlation between who reads the, online uh, interviews and why is the magazine or can you see some sort of like a separation between the two uh, Uh, kind of audiences? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's something we're still trying to understand and figure out Um, just because the magazine itself, you know, the print magazine itself is so young. Um, You know, we're starting to see like who our audience is, especially like post Kickstarter. Like I think that everyone that supported us last year, you know, many of those were people that had read the site for a super long time. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, now that we've been in bookstores for a while and, and been online and people that hadn't read the site, you know, picked up a copy of the magazine, we're still trying to figure out, you know, like if, if those readers both read it digitally and in print or if there is some sort of separation. So I think like after this year, we'll have a better idea, especially after um, we're going to be publishing four times this year. Um, in print. Okay. So we're switching to quarterly, so that'll we'll be able to kind of see, you know, have a better understanding after this year um, what our readership is like between the two. Mm. Okay. And then the first issue included like mostly interviews from the website, but with a few uh, kind of original interviews. Will you, yeah, now you're going quarterly, are you going to kind of match that or are you going to be doing more original content for the magazine? No, there's going to be a lot more original content. Um, for the first one we did, I mean, the first one was just kind of like a massive archive. Mm. Um, but yeah, we had two, two new features and really with a lot of them, if there's anything that we've done online first, um, we've revisited the interviews and either updated them or, you know, there's been new photography. So many of them are, it's like reading a new interview or at Mm -hmm. least part of it is, um, but yeah, going forward, there's going to be a lot more um, print-first features. Will it stay interview-based? 
Um, yeah, I think we're going to stick mainly interview-based, um, but we'll kind of see how how things evolve, especially as we start. We're testing out some different features um, online first, and we're going to kind of see how those do. Um, but we really like the interview format, and uh, I think that that will always be probably the majority of our content. Mm. I mean, that's kind of your, your trademark, is that you find these crazy talented people and then explore them and their work. Um, yeah, I think that's what the great discontent is all about, right? So if yeah, you, and if, it's... If you moved away... It would I come. think it's... I mean, it's definitely more than that, but it's it's been interesting to focus just on interviews and also with a particular set of questions um, because we've built a really interesting archive, almost unintentionally, of just a certain group of people, you know, being these, I guess, say, you know, like creative professionals, for yeah. lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've documented so many people that fall into that category, and it's interesting to see what everyone's responses are because there's very few that are, that are the same. You know, I mean, like there's similarities and like paths and stuff like that, but um, it's a really diverse um, group of people, and it's, it's been interesting to catalog all these, all these interviews. Yeah, um, I love the mix, especially in the magazine. When you sit down and you can flick through like 20 pages and you see a photographer and a, an illustrator and a musician. It's, uh, but also because they're all from the uh, the interviews are kind of the same perspective. So it's like probing questions and about their history, but also you get the, the range of uh, professions, I guess. It's really nice to flick through and see the, the diversity sort of in your hands. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things we found, too, is that they, I mean, like, you could read, you know, if you're just a designer or something, like, you could read an interview by a photographer or a musician and still get a lot out of it. Yeah, right. Especially nowadays, like, I think it's always been this way where people that are more bent creatively, you know, dabble in many different areas. But I think especially nowadays, like, because the tools are so accessible, like, everyone does a little bit of everything. So it makes it cool to be able to flick through, like you said, and just, uh, you know, pick up little bits of people's stories and, and see the similarities between between people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as the uh, Magpile Awards kind of showed, it was a very popular new magazine from 2014. I think a lot of people have enjoyed it so far. Yeah, it was um, really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, like, it's been interesting to see the European audience uh, start to latch on to it because there is that kind of gap between, like, you know, us being able to get it from the U.S. to Europe. Yeah, it's a big beast. Um, yeah, it's, it'll be a little bit shorter now, um, you know, but it was several months before, I mean, it was quite a few months before we had a distribution with Antenna over there. Okay. Um, so the first issue, you know, didn't hit newsstands in Europe until, you know, almost the fall of, of last year. Mm, okay. um, but the, the gap's going to be much shorter for this uh, second issue, which um, you guys should start seeing it over there in probably two or three more weeks, I'm guessing. Okay. Is it the same size and thickness? Uh, it's the same format. It's still 9 by 12 inches, and uh, we did cut down the page count, uh, which um, helps with uh, so many different things logistically. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, yeah, the first issue was 272 pages, and it was just a monster. Mm-hmm. And this... Uh, the newest issue is 160, and we'll kind of hover around there a little bit bigger um, the rest of this year. But 
but it's helped keep uh, shipping costs way down. And also, like, it's limited the, like, amount of damage that's happened, uh, you know, via delivery. Mm, right, yeah, yeah. And we even have, like, custom packaging and stuff that we had made for for the first issue and also for the second one. Mm. And it didn't matter because the weight was, it was just so substantial that yeah. it couldn't always take the abuse of the postal service. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I mean, it's definitely something that people will keep and hold on to because it's just so kind of monumental. It's a... It's a brilliant first issue, I think. Thank you. Um, yeah, and obviously it's going to be interesting to see you move to uh, quarterly schedule because I guess, yeah, because of the smaller size, but more yeah, higher frequency, it'll be interesting to see how you handle that. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Like, It's going to allow us to feature more people and, and different types of people throughout the year. And uh, I'm really like, I, I love the size of the first one. Like, I'm really kind of mm-hmm. obsessed with larger... Um, magazines and that was the reason why we made that one so big um but like i'm really really proud of the second issue like i actually like it better than the first one despite the fact that it is a little bit thinner (laughs) it's just so much easier to kind of like throw in your bag and like for me like it also like i'm really really happy with how it turned out just because we've learned a lot uh since the first issue yeah um so i'm excited to kind of see um you know, more people get this one in their hands and, and the rest of them this year. Um, you redesigned the cover for the second yep. issue. Uh, what was the yep. uh, reason behind that? I like the first issue's cover, um, but I wasn't 100% satisfied with it. And with going quarterly this year, I felt like I had a little bit of opportunity to change things up um, if I was going to. And um, especially since, uh, you know, we knew we were going to be in more bookstores and I feel like having like the format of this new design helps a bit more as far as being on newsstands. Um, so I don't know. I'm just really, I wanted something different and this is more of what I had envisioned all along. And we we're finally able to get there with this, uh, with this next issue. Okay. So, uh, uh, upcoming issues will follow the same kind of cover pattern. Yeah, absolutely. The second one. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Makes the first one a bit more special then, I guess. Yeah, and actually, just uh, the first one. Speaking of the first one, we actually just sold out of the first oh, nice. issue just today. Oh, <laughs> good time. <laughs> well How many uh, copies did you print? The first issue. Yeah, we did a little over four thousand. Okay. Yeah, because you had like two thousand uh, backers right on your Kickstarter, something like that. Yeah, I think it was actually yeah, it was somewhere around there, two thousand yeah. or twenty five hundred. Yeah, you had a huge goal. I was, uh, I was wondering if you'd make it. <laughs> it yeah, I it think like everyone was. <laughs> $100,000. Yeah, but you made it. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, that's impressive. And I think that goes back to just the building the community like I talked about earlier. Like, I think that was the biggest thing with us is just having an audience first before trying to branch out into something that, you know, does cost that much to do. Right, yeah, probably without your previous work it would have been very difficult to reach that huge goal yeah and we definitely wouldn't have printed something as massive as that first mm-hmm. piece um so like having doing the kickstarter that way you know it and asking for that much enabled us to kind of do something as big and monumental as we wanted to with the first issue which i felt was i felt it was important just because we had amassed such a large amount of content over the previous three years and I wanted to do something that felt as substantial as all that work felt online to us. 
Um, and I think that I think that we accomplished that. Yeah, I think you did as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, how easy was it to, or is it, to pick out the interviews to put in the magazine? Is it related to like uh, visuals or or the content or the person? It's really a combination of all those things. I feel like a lot of people ask Tina and I that question quite often, and we don't really have a you know a direct answer for it. Um, okay. It's just kind of one of those things where we see someone, um, you know, we kind of know it when we see it, and it's a bit of a you know one-two check because you know maybe I like something visually. Tina has to approve it um, editorially and also vice versa. You know, she brings something that's like, oh, this is a really amazing story, but, you know, maybe the work isn't quite there yet. Then, uh, you know, there's that, that, that checks and balances. Hmm. Uh, how is it working with your wife <laughs> day in, day out? It's really good. I mean, it's, it's definitely challenging, um, but it's also really rewarding. And, uh, you know, we had worked together you know, like we talked about, like while doing day jobs, and then this is kind of a side project for mm. for quite a few years. But this last year was the first year that we kind of like we're both working on the same thing a hundred percent of the time, and also in the same space. Like we kept overhead overhead down last year, and just you know worked out of the apartment, and um, that was definitely challenging. But I think we we got into a groove after you know several months, and uh, you know it feels really good now. Mm. Well, I mean, it, your output's amazing, so it must be working. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, how do you go about uh, finding people to interview? Obviously, some some people are like, um, say, Roman Mars. Uh, they're more well known than others. But um, is it easy to pinpoint who you who you want to interview, or do you go out searching specifically for a certain type of person before you hit an actual interviewee? It all depends. Um, it's a little bit of a combination of both. Um, sometimes, I mean, we're always like keeping our eyes and ears open um, for interesting people to feature. And, uh, you know, when we see someone we kind of add on the list or we just kind of keep an eye on them and like, oh, that person might work out for a future issue or, or a feature online. And so we always kind of have our feelers out that way. Then also, you know, we'll, we take recommendations um, from people. Uh, people are emailing us all the time and, uh, you know, we get quite a few good ones that way. And then, um, like people that we have interviewed that are kind of in our, call them our, our THD alum or like our alumni, um, you know, those always wind up being really good suggestions. Um, when someone that we've interviewed and we would like to interview and we kind of hit it off with them when they recommend someone, then, uh, we usually pay pretty close attention to that. So. Mm. Um, and how do you, I mean, uh, obviously working on the web for three years doing doing your thing um was it what kind of challenges did you face uh, changing that content so it would work on paper hmm. um it's a good question i don't think we really changed the content too much um we don't like over the past few years online we've never really trimmed down the interviews too much um, unless there's something we felt like really didn't work, but pretty much all of them are, um, you know, they're edited for flow and stuff, but they're basically the entire interview, mm. um, save for maybe a little bit in the beginning and the end, uh, those parts of the conversation. But Tina does a really good job of transcribing the interview and making them flow. And, um, we don't really edit it down or cut out 
okay. fits to fit like a particular page count or even a, a you know a length online. So in switching from digital to print, there wasn't really like a, wasn't like oh we have to make sure this fits within mm. um, you know within sixteen pages or whatever. Um, so it was kind of more just the layouts determined. Um, you know how much we could do as far as content and uh, and assets. Yeah. Um, and uh, when the magazine came out, the website changed to kind of match the magazine design, right? Am I right? Yeah. Well, that was something that I was working on together. So as I was working with Frank on with uh, Frank Camaro on the design of the magazine, um, you know, I was creative directing, creative directing, and art directing that, but it was also you know, like at the same time I was doing the website. So stuff that I did online influenced stuff that Frank did in the magazine and then stuff that he did, you know, in print also influenced what I was doing. So it was really like a collaborative, it was just, you know, a a very back and forth, um, process. Hmm. But I definitely wanted some, um, I wanted to feel cohesive as far as uh, both digital and print. Yeah. uh, I really enjoy going from one to the other because it just feels like the same thing. Just in a, obviously with slightly different content, but awesome. uh, yeah, they work really well together. Um, how has it been uh, hearing feedback from your your previous web audience when they see the print magazine? Are people kind of enthused about the print product? Yeah, they really were. Were um, there were quite a few people over the years that were like, "Oh, when are you guys going to go to print? When are you guys going to go to print?" Um, so we hear that quite often, and I. Um, you know, kind of hearing their responses after the fact or, you know, people getting their magazines and taking pictures of it. Like that's been really rewarding. Um, there's some, it's, you know, creating something like tangible, uh, is much more rewarding than doing stuff on the web. Like the web can be rewarding in its own ways, but there's nothing quite like, uh, you know, seeing someone, you know, uh, tweet or Instagram, uh, you know, a picture of them with the magazine or them reading it. Or, you know, going into a bookstore and seeing, like, your magazine there with other, um, you know, with other publications. Like, I still get kind of geeked out about that, and people probably get tired of, you know, me posting pictures of, like, oh, it's in this bookstore. But <laughs> it just feels, it feels really good and really rewarding after putting so much into the project over the past three or four years. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's it's been awesome seeing people's responses, and I feel like they've all been... Um, they've all been really positive. And do you, can you see a point in the future where you would continue with only one uh, format, like stay with print and remove the web part, or do you, do you think that they'll both continue to exist together? Uh, it's too early to tell now. I mean, as of right now, they'll continue to exist together. Um, but, you know, I mean, we've been doing digital for so long and there's no, um, you know, there's no foreseeable end to that. Um, there's no plans to to stop doing that. Um, and it's, you know, we've only been doing print for the past year, so it's hard to judge whether or not uh, one would kind of take over the other at this point in time. Which do you prefer doing more, the web or the print? Well, they're both very challenging, and they both have their own um, unique issues. Um, but I think... Personally, I prefer doing print, even though it is a longer process. Um, it's just the reward of having something physical, you know, something in your hands when you're done, as opposed to just a, a link to go mm-hmm. to. I think that's a, quite a common trait with people going from 
web content to print is that it's harder to do and there's a lot more steps and a lot more things that can go wrong but once it's out it's way more rewarding um and it, it sounds like that's happened with you as well yeah i totally agree um what what's the what does the future hold for the print magazine specifically uh, do you have any plans to kind of grow it um or distribute it uh, further or um and yeah, like you've mentioned different content, but is there will it take on a different kind of focus in the future? Uh, definitely not a different focus. We're just going to continue to grow and, and evolve the the publication, um, get it into as many markets as we can, and that's part of you know going quarterly this year. Um, you know, we want to feature more people and make the you know the interviews more diverse. Um, as far as you know, not only. Uh, diversify the you know the type of creative content that's in there but then also just the people that are featured in the magazine so definitely want to get some more people um on different continents not just um here in the u.s even though we've we've tried to you know feature people from all over but definitely want it to be more diverse that way um but yeah we're just going to continue to grow uh this year and, and get it into as many hands and make the publication as uh as big as we envision it cool well, uh, good luck for the future. Thanks, man. Um, I'm really excited to see uh, issue two and then obviously the, the new quarterly uh, schedule as well. Um, yeah, I asked uh, you to prepare a list of three magazines that you'd like to share. You asked me to choose between all my babies here. I, I tend to uh, have quite a few uh, magazines. Tina gets a little frustrated when I start bringing home more and more, but... <laughs> Once I have my uh, my studio, it'll change a little bit. But yeah, I went through and I pulled, um, I guess some all you know some all time favorites and also some recent ones that I've started to get into. Okay, um, I think one of my all time favorites is probably Acne Paper, um, just because it's such a substantial piece, and I really love just all the art direction and the paper choices and the really ridiculously large format. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, Totally impractical, but it's uh, it, it's a really beautiful piece consistently. Um, so that's definitely one of my favorites. And then I think like on the opposite end would be the Travel Almanac. Um, it's kind of on the opposite spectrum, being um, a lot smaller. Um, but I really love the I really love the focus of of that piece. And uh, uh, those guys are totally Indian, just kicking ass. So that's a fun one. Oh, let's see. What else do I have here? Um, I like Intermission a lot. That's a really interesting piece. Um, I believe that's, I want to say it's based in the UK. Are you familiar with Intermission? No, I'm not. Maybe it's New York based. But yeah, I love Intermission. That's definitely something that I would pick up. And let's see. I recently bought a magazine called Puss Puss Magazine, yeah. <laughs> which that, this is based in the UK, I think. And uh, uh, it's really interesting because it's like people with cats mm. and I don't think the focus is entirely cats, but there's a lot of cats in it and it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cats have done quite well recently. There's a um, Cat People magazine as well, which uh, sold out their first issue quite quickly, I think. So cats seem to be a bit of a trend in magazines as well as online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Maybe we'll put some more cats in the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, do you buy most magazines like from the newsstand? I try to. There's some that I subscribe to, but it's. I really like going to the magazine store and picking them out. I'm also I'm like really particular about making sure I get a decent copy. Okay. Yeah. So, which is, you know, it's nearly impossible when you order stuff online. Um, I think. I mean. A lot of us indie publishers put a lot of care into making sure that the packaging is really good. So, like, out of anybody, like, you know, you're going to get a, you know, one in good shape mm. from, you know, many people that you featured, um, including us. But there's just something about picking up a, you know, a magazine on the newsstand. Yeah. Um, I guess you're a bit spoiled in New York as well. That I mean, Helsinki does not have a good magazine kind of selection available. So a lot of my magazines are from online. Uh, yeah, that's sad. I, that's one thing I love about being in New York is we have no shortage of uh, of magazine stands. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun getting to know the people that run them too. The one there's this uh, one in our neighborhood. It's uh, in West Village here in New York, and um, um, gotten to know the guys in the shop. And they we sent out some postcards, so we had some extra um, we had some extra space in our cover sheet. We went to print, so we we made these like postcards that look like the cover. Okay, and uh, we we stuck a bunch of those in the box uh, in the stockist that we sent to, and uh, the guys in our West Village shop they uh, they stuck a bunch of those postcards all over the uh, all over the door as you walk. <laughs> <laughs> like I love you guys. You guys are so great. <laughs> but they did that because we had. Um, if, I guess you haven't gotten a copy of the new issue, but in the back mm-hmm. of it, there's uh, there's this really great. Uh, quote by um, one of the artists that we featured and we so we put that on the back of the magazines they've got like the cover and then they've got the quote like right on their door as you walk in which is super okay. great that's cool um, but then other magazines let's see I've got a couple more um, I don't know if you've heard of Riot of Perfume yes I have so that's definitely a fun one um, I like how they do a lot of different types of features um, like in the most recent one they have a just almost like a stream of consciousness written out by uh, um, Dev Hines from um, Blood Orange. It's just, just like really interesting stuff. So that, and then you know, you get the classics like Fantastic Man and stuff like that, which are always done perfectly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my my short list. I can keep going if you want, but probably <laughs> your audience. Yeah, well, we can show it. Cut it short now for the podcast, but you can continue afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, where can people find you and the magazine online? Uh, the magazine, so digital features, and then also a link to the shop are at thegreatdiscontent.com. And then, if you just want to go directly to the shop and place an order, it's shop.thegreatdiscontent.com. Um, and we're at Twitter, you know, on Twitter at Great Discontent. Um, same on Instagram. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, good luck for the year ahead. And uh, speak to you soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the show. You should definitely check out The Great Discontent if you haven't already. I'd love to hear what you think about Mag Heroes. Please send feedback or comments on Twitter to at MagHeroes or you can email me at magheroes at danrowden.com. 
To stay up to date with new episodes, you can subscribe in iTunes or any other podcast application. Just search for Mag Heroes. You can also get new Mag Heroes episodes sent right into your inbox. Sign up to the newsletter at magheroes.net slash newsletter. And all previous Mag Heroes episodes are online at magheroes.net and soundcloud.com slash magheroes. Thank you again to Hemlock for supporting the show, and I'll see you all again in a couple of weeks. Cheers.